leave one of the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. What, I'm meant to do. what is going on? Welcome, Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 110. I am Brady Liebold, coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. Can you hear the music? Got to give a shout out to Chad Campbell. This song will be released October 7th, Hockey to Hell and Back. Not even three years ago, I was in a jail cell. Now people are writing songs about this podcast and about my life. Very, very humbling experience. Thank you, Chad Campbell. Make sure you check him out on Spotify. I don't have much to say here at the beginning. That's not usually the case. I want to get right into this conversation with Riley Sheehan. Uh, this episode is proudly brought to you by the great people at True Temper Hockey. Uh, they have been 
just unbelievable to me, uh, not just giving me gear, but supporting me away from hockey as well. They check in with me. They become friends, which is more valuable to me than anything is like friendship and human connection. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful to them. And of course, puck support, pucksupport.com. We have a bunch of new stuff, mental health over hockey, long sleeves and hoodies. Uh, I'll talk more about it at the end of the show, but uh, if you're going to go over there, use promo code hope, it'll save you a little bit of money. Uh, and before we bring in Riley, we have to hear from our good friends over at Team Issued. Enjoy the voice. Regan Bartel from the Kelowna Rockets, my, one of my favorite people, and in my opinion, the best play-by-play guy, play-by-play guy in hockey. We'll see you guys in a few moments. Hi there, it's Regan Bartel, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. All right, let's do it. I'm not going to get into a long, drawn-out intro anymore. I used to do that. And uh, I realized that it's just better to let the guest talk. But it's going to be a real treat uh, from the Speak Your Mind podcast, one of the founders of Torch Pro. If you're not already following them, check them out on Instagram. If you're listening to this, I'll have all the tags in the bio if you're on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts. If you're watching live, head over to Instagram right now. Go follow Torch Pro and Speak Your Mind. Uh, he is also a member of the Buffalo Sabres and has one hell of a story and is doing amazing work using his platform uh, to share his story and help others share their stories through mental health and wellness and just an all-around great dude who's been around the NHL for a long time and uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce you guys from St. Catharines, Ontario, my buddy Riley Sheehan. Thanks, dude. What an intro. Man, I, I scaled it back. I used to I used to go like really crazy with the intros, and then um, I, I don't know, man. I just I, I short I'd and sweet. Have, I'd have all these questions and everything, and I'd have all this, and then it'd be at the end of it, and I'm like, why did I do all that? Like, I should have let that person say that, and I didn't ask any of these questions, so now I just let it flow. It's good to have you here, man. Welcome. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. And just quickly before we start, I mean, you're doing unreal work here, and. You, I mean, we already told you thanks for coming on our pod, but I think what you're doing is awesome. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get this convo going. Yeah, man, me too. And, uh, you know, shout out to Tyler Smith as well. He's been on the show before. Humboldt Bronco, bus crash survivor. He's your your uh, partner in crime over there on the Speak Your Mind podcast. And you guys were so kind to have me on. I had a blast. Great questions. Great conversation. I think uh, Hopefully you can do the majority of the talking today because you guys didn't get much in there, did you? <laughs> no, no, it's good, man. We're good back and forth. And um, yeah, asking the deep questions, it's sometimes it's hard to do, but that's when you get the good conversation, right? I mean, you know that. And that's all we're trying to do. Ty's got a crazy story and he's an incredible person. Still, he's, I think he's only 24 years old. He's been through so much, but just handles it so well. And we have a blast doing it. So um yeah it's been fun yeah make sure i'll say it again make sure you check it out everybody because it's it's honestly awesome what you guys are doing is great and there's other people involved away from your podcast with torch pro it's awesome it's uh it's an inside look into 
athletes and, and what they're doing. And uh, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Uh, take us back, though, a little bit. I always got to do this. And I, I hate, you know, telling your story um, through hockey. But you were an NCAA guy, but you got drafted to the OHL. Um, tell me a little bit about that decision and kind of life leading up to that as a hockey player, as far as maybe having any adver- adversity or was, was it pretty easy sledding, uh, up until a certain point? Yeah, I, I started playing, I mean, just kind of competitive, competitively in St. Catharines, just playing AAA, And, um, we always had the worst team in Canada. Our, our minor hockey team was so bad for my age group. It wasn't like it is now where you see kids just creating these super teams in the Toronto areas or Detroit areas, whatever. Um, so we just battled through that, <laughs> talking about adversity at a young age. Um, but my dad was never one to kind of be like, let's just get up and leave and go to a better team where maybe you'll win more or whatever. It was kind of like, it's this is your circumstance. Let's just fight through it and kind of teach you some lessons along the way. So I was at kind of from an early age and then I stayed in St. Catharines. I played junior B when I was uh, up to 17. And then after junior B, I got recruited to go play for university of Notre Dame kind of in the midst of that, the, all the OHL stuff was a, was a possibility. I did get drafted to Erie, um, but we were pretty set on going to school because both my parents were teachers and we actually had another cousin that played at university of Notre Dame. So it was just kind of the decision made sense. Um, yeah and then once I went was at Notre Dame freshman year went by and I kind of just kept climbing that that draft rankings poll whatever you call it and I ended up getting drafted right out of uh Notre Dame my freshman year to the Red Wings I think 20 uh, 21st overall in the first round by the way yeah and uh that day was was really cool because it's kind of I mean everybody talks about it but like it really puts into perspective all the work that you did and all the people that sacrificed things for you and um all that kind of stuff and then it was in LA too so it was kind of cool to bring my family down there and we had a a good day so I mean that's really really short version of it um I think we'll probably get into like more detail of like what was really going on but yeah Yeah. that's kind of how I got to where I am now 10 years later I think this is going to be my 11th or 12th camp and um yeah it's been uh, it's been fun goes by fast though eh oh it's crazy man like I look back at it now and and when I first came in it was really common for like, my, I remember guys I played with my rookie year, like Daniel Alfredson, Henrik Zetterberg, Pavel Datsuk, uh, Todd Bertuzzi, like all these guys. And our whole team had like 800 games, like average. And now like I'm playing for Buffalo and I have 630 or 640 or something. And I'm like the third most on our team. And it's like, it's just so different how the times have changed with the, uh, how difficult it is to stay in the league and they, the, the young guys are coming in so skilled and fast and um, it's tough. So, I mean, I'm thankful for it and it's all, it's always a lot of fun, but yeah. Well, you must be doing something right. Like you said, it, it is difficult. That's kind of the common theme when I talk to to guys, it's, it's kind of easy to make it. It's, it's a whole other story to, to stick around. And uh, you know, I, I just want to kind of backtrack a little because we talked about it on your podcast we talked about, you know, kind of circumstances, a little bit, circumstances in junior hockey and, and possibly college and kind of um, the culture. And you mentioned an interview that I had had done uh, surrounding that. And, and and you mentioned when I said that, you know, they come and show us this video and everyone's sleeping on the dressing room floor with, 
with their pants and not really paying attention to this educational video that's supposed to be on respect in sport or whatever it is. And that's no disrespect to these organizations because they're, they're coming in, doing the best they can and, and trying to make a difference. But it was the way that it was taken in. And it kind of just struck me. I wanted to ask you kind of like your experience through junior hockey and college and, and, and trying to like find your way and navigate what that looked like for Riley Sheehan, because for so many um, it was a struggle and, and for a lot of us, we never talked about it. What was it like for you? Yeah, man, like it was that I found that the most difficult part. And I don't even know if like difficult is the right word because like it wasn't hard at the time. I didn't realize I was doing these things that were like going to get myself in trouble. I thought it was just normal. And when you talk to like people that are outside the sport or even outside athletics in general, like they're always like, Oh man, like those hockey guys, they like, they really party or those hockey guys, like they're really like careless or they, and like you chalk that up as being funny. And like, there's a lot of camaraderie things that happen with, with going out and whatever. And I, I do still enjoy, enjoy some of those things. It's just like understanding when the point of like realizing what you're doing is harmful to you or to other people. And I think that was just something I didn't realize when I was, 14 or 15 years old when I started playing juniors and you're playing with guys who are 20 and you want to fit in. And I mean, at that age, I was one of our better players for being young and I wanted to just do everything that what I thought a hockey player was. I wanted to fit that mold. So that meant like drinking and that meant going out and trying to like get with girls and just create stories that I could bring back to my teammates in the next morning and things like that and um i think that eventually just kind of led me to some like negative thinking patterns and negative experiences and um i ended up like hurting people and i think that just like maybe put even more pressure on me as i went through and i kind of like it kind of just went into a spiral and i mean we talked about my arrest when i first turned pro but i even had two before that where nothing ended up happening because I was at a division one school with a lot of money and they were just able to sweep it under the rug. But, um, it's just like, I guess through it, all that, all those experience, your eyes are really open to like how much you're sheltered and how much you're protected and really how much your habits and things like that can kind of just go by the breeze and no one really ever brings it up to you that it's a problem until now I look back on it. I'm like, shit, like I probably could have changed a lot um, and maybe help myself a little more to where I am now. But I mean, that's all in the past. And I think even like you could probably relate, like a lot of those things helped you get to where you are now and have the perspective you have now. So yeah yeah one 100 man and like i echo when i it's the same conversation pretty much you know the stories happened whether it was in notre dame or st Catharines or swift current or Kelowna or brandon or london like it, it's pretty much the same narrative everywhere and uh, there's a couple things i want to talk about there and you know when we talk about like fitting in right the same thing like fit that mold as a hockey player fit that mold as a hockey player and then all of a sudden find yourself doing things that maybe we've never done before but seem normal because these older guys and other people are doing it we want to fit in and then all of a sudden 
we start to fit this mold. And I, I've saw, I saw it happen. I happened to me. And then in hindsight, as an older guy, and I'm thinking back to like playing in the Western league at 1920, I can think back at how those young 16 year olds came in to even just one year in the league and how their language changed, how they started to act change. And what I've started to notice is that it, I was never really able to find out like my true authentic self. And so I wonder if you, by you having these sort of like bad, you said that you had like sort of negative thought patterns, right. From maybe doing this stuff because it went against our morals. Like we somewhere deep in our consciousness or unconsciousness. I don't know how we, how I word it, but we understand and so I think it leaves this hole. At least that's the way it felt for me. And so it was just this fake human running through life, trying to fit in and trying to fit this mold of a hockey player and kind of lost sight of who I really was and what really mattered to me. So that came up for me. And then the second thing um, you, you talked about, you kind of skipped through it. I know you don't, maybe don't want to talk about it, but you said, because me and you talked about before I came on, I said, hey, do you mind if I bring up your DUI? And I told you, and you said, no. And I said, the reason why is because I got a DUI in 2011. And today, after I'm not good at math, but like 11 years, uh, 12 years, I finally got my license back after that DUI. So, and I, and I just think back to how many times I could have got a DUI and how many times I could have hurt people before that. And uh, you mentioned that it actually happened. That, that's in the news. You were playing for Detroit. You got a DUI after a party, but you mentioned that it happened to you twice before and it got swept under the rug. And that's a really common theme when you're a hockey player. Yeah, no, I mean, the first two times were just like, like underage, like public intoxication stuff. And then actually the second time was, I had like Adderall on me that never ended up getting like put into the police report or whatever, and which I, I wasn't prescribed for. And then, uh, yeah, the, then when I got to the to Detroit in October, my first year professional was a Halloween party and I was just, way too drunk and I never really actually even had I was never a guy to drink and drive but like I just was I was always a guy to totally exceed my limits when it came to drinking and I thought that was normal because I'd get attention as being the funny guy or being able to tell a funny story in the morning about how I was close to being in trouble or I got away with something or I was so drunk that I did this and you'd get a laugh from it but like looking back on it like I don't know why we're conditioned to do that like it's just crazy it seems like it's no one not nobody but it, it takes a lot of like guts and nerve to tell someone like seriously that that's not funny and that's probably and it also takes a lot of like ownership to be like you're right not just like fuck off like okay like you debbie downer like what are you like the police like kind of you know one of those little comments so and the only, that was only really coming from my, my parents and maybe a coach here and there. And I don't know. I just never saw it as an issue, but like, it's just, it's crazy to me. I just actually had this conversation with my life coach, like just all the things that we do as humans that are so unhealthy that we either celebrate and we just like, we, we talk about like, like if I was to dr be drinking and driving and I hurt someone or I kill someone, then it becomes traumatic. Or if, if, if I OD on drugs um, and I don't wake up in the morning, it becomes traumatic and everyone's sad. But if I do wake up and I go to the rink the next day, it's funny. Like I tell that story and guys laugh because like I got away with it or I survived a shit ton of cocaine or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's just like so mind boggling to me. Like that's how we that's how we work. And I guess it's becoming more evident as I get older. 
Well, is that something that you were kind of prepared for in hindsight, going dating back to when you were 14, 15, playing junior B? Obviously, at that time, you're not really thinking. We're just doing and acting and trying to fit in. But think about young 14-year-old Riley Sheehan. Is that something that you were really consciously, you think you were thinking about being prepared for? Like, hey, I'm going to have to face this. I'm going to have to make this decision. Or going to pro hockey and all of a sudden finding out that drugs are a part of pro hockey in some capacity too. Because for me, I, I, I always live this life like hockey players don't do drugs. Like as a kid, they're superheroes. Hockey players don't do drugs. And then I get, you know, I'm playing the American Hockey League and rookie party. And I swear every single person on the team was doing coke. And I'm like, and which was not a big deal to me because I was, had secretly been doing it for years anyways. But to me, it was like, whoa, you know, and, and that's not because hockey's the problem. That's because drugs are a problem everywhere. So is that something that, you know, that you experienced and, and maybe weren't prepared for in junior and then in pro hockey? I never, I, I don't know. I guess I never really like understood. And I guess like, even as you're growing older and you start to like get to that age where partying becomes more of like a norm, but like, even just like, for general kids like to be able to understand what's going to be presented to them and what the effects are and not so much like shoving it down their throat as it's like all so 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 bad but just like understanding what it is and like maybe that it's not so bad but you just got to be careful with what you're doing like in like the hockey world no like i as soon as you turn from like minor midget where you're playing to get drafted in the ohl at least in in ontario is like that to when you jump to junior B, like that's such a big jump. Like you're going from playing with other 14 year olds to playing now with guys who are 20, who are on their last leg of playing junior hockey. And same thing. They've been conditioned to think the same way that, that we were just talking about. They've been like hockey player means drink hard, party hard and do whatever else. But then you're all of a sudden just like trying to fit in with those guys and you're not really ready for that. So yeah, it's it's it would be cool to have some sort of cur- curriculum or something in place where kids like at a young age you could just kind of like have their minds understand like what's out there and what's kind of like what they're going to be um what they're going to be like, what what abilities they're going to have as they get to a certain age. Yeah, it's I think it's super important cuz there was a uh, I, I think I don't know if I shared it on your podcast or I know people have maybe heard this story on here but it, you know the first time I ever tried hard drugs it was ecstasy and it was at a music festival a country music festival and you know we we're there for four or five days whatever just a crazy party right sort of like boots and hearts up here in in Ontario or whatever and I was just graduated high school and there was a lot of older guys there, guys that had played on the world junior team, guys that, you know, older guys that were playing in the NHL, guys that I skated with in the summer and uh, guys that I looked up to. And, and of course, a, a ton of other people as well around that were all doing ecstasy and it looked like just the best time ever. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, well, if they're doing like these guys have the life I want. So if if they're doing it, like it's really not that bad. And there are people out there that maybe can dabble with it here and there. But what happened to me when I did, I was like, I, I broke down this barrier for myself where it's like, I'm never going to do those though. Like I'm never going to do those drugs. Right. I'll drink. And I had smoked weed and, and that was it. That was as far as I was ever going to take it. And I held that boundary for a long time and would always say no, 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 and had no interest. But about the third or fourth day, I finally broke 
And that, that was it, man. For like the next 14 years, I was seeking uh, escape in substances. So, you know, it, it just, you never know when that opportunity may be presented. And there's other stories where it's how people try something once and they lose their life. Yeah. And like what easier way to just like get the, uh, like kind of like to appease the older crowd than to just jump in head first and just to do it. Like, you know, like if you just walk in there with confidence and you just do it and then now you're getting player A and player B who you've looked up to the last however many years that are like, Oh, look at this kid. Like he can party. Like he's one of us now. Like it's just like so backwards to me. And and I'm, I'm not saying it's those players' fault because it's just a different generation too. Like back when you were playing and when I was first coming up, it was just different for whatever reason. But I think there's also like a time now for like guys to grasp that idea that like healthier is better. Like there's a, there's a place, there's a time and a spot to it. And there's like, you can stay within limits, but like you don't need to be persuading guys to maybe put them in a position to ruin what's at stake for them. And, and there, when we're when you're talking hockey players, there really is so much at stake and people now more than ever are under a microscope, everything you do, yeah. you can't get away with anything, um, which shouldn't be the reason to really ignite change. It should be for, for reasons way more important than, Hey, we might get caught. <laughs> right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that might be the, the, the for way sure. to present it to almost, you know, I don't know, instill a little bit of fear, I guess. I agree with you 100%. You use examples of some of these guys who have, you know, lost their careers for whatever reasons. We've seen enough of it lately. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's not the best reason to be like, hey, you're going to get caught if you do this, rather than like, it's probably better for your well-being to not do that. But it's still getting people to maybe be a little smarter. So I guess that's a win. I got to ask you, how was it for you? And I don't mean like in relations to trying to fit in with drinking and drugs and in, in, in professional hockey, but how was it for you making the jump from uh, NCAA Division One uh, to professional hockey? And then, you know, the difference between the A and the show, because you haven't spent much time in the American League over your career. You've pretty much been up the whole time. Uh, from like what standpoint? From like a hockey standpoint? Yeah, like yeah, and and your mental standpoint, like the grind, because you go yeah. from being this you know first round pick, all star, go to guy. I think you're in the Hall of Fame in Notre Dame. Don't they have like a? Do they have uh, some sort of thing there might, for you? Like at, at like in the hockey ring arena. Yeah, like you know, like you go from probably being you know PP one line one, and then all of a sudden you're you're grinding to be in the lineup in the NHL. You're sure you're in the NHL and you're making good money, but people don't understand that that's taxing mentally. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, like when you, when I look back on it and I talked to other guys about this kind of asked the same question, like you don't even, and I think this is probably a negative. Um, this probably isn't the best mindset to have, but like when you're that you're so driven, you don't even think, so it becomes like, and it, it almost works in your favor where you have like, you're expected, like I'm expected to go up there and play the way that I, I want to play. And I don't have like, like I got up there and I was in, I was in Disneyland. It was like, I was like, so I was like eyes open to everything. And I was like, holy shit, like Pavel Datsuk's right beside me, like all these like my people like I was a big wigs fan too growing up and you know like 
Ted Lindsay's wheeling around the locker room and there's just so much history. So I get up there and I remember Mike Babcock always saying like, take your piece of the pie. Like you're here, like you have to like, you have to earn it. And things just happen. They worked well for whatever reason. I mean, he, I think maybe liked my game and gave me some good opportunity and it just worked out well, but there's so many guys where it doesn't. And it's just like, there's, Obviously, you have to be a really good player to play in the NHL, but there's a lot of luck involved too, right? Like you have to fit in the team. You have to be there at the right time. You have to learn. For me, it was important that I learned how to play like the position from not just like an offensive standpoint. Like I played, tried to play D really well. I tried to win faceoffs, tried to PK. So like when I look at my game now, like I'm not what I was when I came into the league. And I think that's just an important thing for people to grasp too is like, you're not going to, if you're playing on a team, you play on the Pittsburgh Penguins as a centerman, like where are you fitting in the lineup? You have to be a third or fourth line center because you're not taking Malkin or Crosby's spot. So just stuff like that. So that's kind of how it went for me. And and was that easy for you to embrace because you're like, hey, I'm just going to find a way to stick around because this is the best job in the world? Or was it it a tough kind of transition learning those? Because that's the hard... People don't understand. Like I do skills coaching and I don't do a whole lot of skating around pylons, flipping pucks over sticks. I teach these kids how to battle and compete and yeah. do all the stuff that you're talking about. And that's why you, that's why you've stuck around the NHL for so long. It's not because you're scoring 30 goals a year. It's because you know how to play the game and play the game right. And you play the game hard and win your battles. So Yeah, yeah no, for sure. And I kind of leaned that way a bit more when I was at Notre Dame too. Like I wasn't a huge point scorer. Like I, I put up okay points, but I played, PK and I actually played like D for a little when I was a friend, like just, just being able to like be versatile and try to play the game the right way. Because like, yeah, you, you're going to be, you're not going to be put on the ice if you're giving up goals, even though you might have the most offensive talent in the world. If you're giving up goals and it's not like you're, the players are just too good that they'll just buzz right by you. And one mistake that you make could end up or will end up in the back of the net. So I think just having that attitude for me helped helped a lot. Yeah, I got to ask you too. When that stuff happened in Detroit, because I was thinking you're talking about Babcock. I'm assuming he was there. What was it? What was it like uh, in the dressing room? What was it? The reaction like from from the the management, maybe the fans. How were you feeling about that? At you know, you're a rookie in the NHL, and that's a pretty heavy thing to go through. What was it? What was it like for you? Yeah. So the the wings were actually they were not well yeah I guess I could say actually they were really good they Ken Holland was the GM at the time and he's like obviously a Hall of Fame GM he's unbelievable um, and Ryan Martin was an assistant GM and they both just like totally sided with me and were like hey like um, they they knew that I needed they they told me that I should get help from an alcohol standpoint, which I did. I kind of met with the NHLPA substance abuse program and nothing like I got in trouble with the law. So I, I couldn't drink. I would get tested. And then I had the community service hours and I couldn't drive like stuff like that. But I never like dug deep. You said it in your intro, like you got honest with yourself. I never really did that. I just kind of was like, oh, here's my punishment. I'm just going to get through it. And then I ended up just continuing the same thing that I was doing um until the next year actually the next halloween um it was actually a funny story <laughs> like aside like 
I think funny stories come with drinking a lot, and I'm sure you have you have a lot. But so I was it was a Halloween party where I got the DUI where I was dressed as a, a Teletubby. But I'm glad year, you said it. I knew those facts, but I wasn't going to share that little tidbit information. Yeah. So the next year, I I uh, I dressed as a like a Teletubby, but I had a prison jumpsuit on. <laughs> So I had like tattoos on my face and like just being an idiot. But wow. that after that party, I ended up, I don't know if it just brought up bad memories or something, but I woke up the next morning and I was like, wow, I feel really bad. Went to practice was fine. And the next morning I was like, oh, I feel really shitty. And then I actually told them, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on with me. And that was a real like first time where I was like, oh, I think there might be some like issues with depression, anxiety, and then they were really supportive and me getting help. And I missed a weekend, I think three games. I missed a weekend and they uh, were super supportive and me finding counseling and psychotherapy. And then since then it kind of uh, was, has been like a little bit of like a process and learning how I'll feel good. Of course. And I think that's important for everyone to remember is that it's always going to be a process. Um, that was few years ago right so the process you're talking about is what is that like seven years or? Well, more 10 probably 10 years yeah so how like how has it been overall in the last you know 10 years you've been a bit of a journeyman through the nhl too right like you've been moved around and you know i don't care what anyone says i'll move every year as long as i could keep all <laughs> right but uh, that's that's hard right like we talked about you you gotta you're, you're married or yeah, married. You got a little boy now. Um, so boy, yeah. Things a little bit different, but even still, when you don't have a, a kid, it's hard. You know, you got to gel with a new team. You got to move into a new place. You got to meet the new coaches, settle in. How's it? How's it? How's the ride been for Riley Sheehan overall? Yeah, it's got it's it's got its ups and downs, and like, I I mean, I think right now I'm I'm holding on a bit. I I know like I still have some gas left in my tank, but there's also like a lot of gas gets pulled out of your tank when you're feeling like drained and whatever. And it's hard to fall. It's I'd say it's easy to fall out of love with the game when you're moving around so much. And when things aren't going well, and I had a, had a season in Detroit where I went 79 games without scoring. And that was just like, that was really hard on me as a first round pick supposed to be like helping this franchise win and keeping up their 26 playoff streak. Uh, keeping that alive like that that was hard for me and then going to Pittsburgh and having a good year and then kind of getting kicked to the curb I guess the next year and then kind of now just trying to hang on it's hard it's a grind mentally but like those are the tools you learn to be able to step back and pers like we talk about perspective like what I get to do and what I my son like what my son gets to see me do as he gets older and um, I mean just like kids and this like there's so many little things that i'm able to look at now where i'm like i don't really the kids, care kids in the stands is that what you were gonna say yeah like, like kids just kids in the stands or your own kid in the stands or both my kid for sure but like and it's, it's, yeah Isn't that so awesome, young, right? when you get when you get to interact with the kids and their faces light up and stuff it's it's the best yeah it's amazing and it's kind of one of the reasons why we signed back in buffalo because i used to watch the sabers growing up i used to go to their training camp they had training camp in St. Catharines where I grew up playing and like the, the amount of joy you got from leaning over the railing to try to get a guy's autograph and him to actually stop. And I mean, for that guy, you probably was like, Oh, here we go again. But like the amount of joy you put into a kid for doing that, like 
it's just to be able to like bring those feelings back and feel them as you get older, you know, and that's yeah. a good tool to have. Yeah. I want to share this story, but I don't like to blast, get put guys on blast, but <laughs> I got to I got to tell this story. I, I, I hate to do it, but I got to tell this story because I'm very much like you. And I, I really enjoyed that part of the game. The fans, like even if I would get in a fight and it was away, it's a, an away game, there'd be some idiots banging on the glass, like some drunk guys that are yelling at me and I'd be yelling back and I'm But then there'd be like some kid, he'd have the other team's jersey on. So I'd ask the timekeeper for a puck and throw him a puck, you know, like yeah. and just to see that. And then you get letters sometimes, you know, I used to get letters from like, you know, that really meant a lot or whatever. So I always remember that too. So I love that you brought it up. So anyways, last spring or whatever, I was in North Bay and I was watching the battalion versus the Frontenacs and Shane Wright was playing. And this is just before he got drafted. And I mean, it was a playoff game and, uh, you know, North Bay, it's not, it's not a huge rink, but it was pretty, pretty filled for warm up. And I went specifically in warm up just to watch Shane Wright because I'd never seen him before. And he's, you know, this prospect and I love to watch warm up and everything else, always have. And so, you know, there's a lot of people kind of in the, you know, not a lot. It's not like an NHL. It's an OHL. Like, there's some people. There was one kid, one kid in the entire thing that had a sign. And it was right up against the glass and said, Shane Wright, I'm your biggest fan. Can I please have a puck? Yeah. And I'm telling you, that guy stood in front of that sign with his back to the sign for like two minutes, just stick handling. just stand. And I just watched it the whole time. The guy didn't even acknowledge no puck, no high five on the glass. Two guys two guys from Kingston went over after Shane went off the ice and threw the kid puck. And it's like, I get it. You're dialed in. It's a playoff game, but don't tell me you didn't see that sign, man. Yeah. There's no way you didn't see that sign. Yeah. And you can't ever forget that. So I love that you brought it up. You never forget what it's like to be that little kid. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually, where did I, I saw something about you? One of your quotes it might've been your Instagram. Just like being able to find your inner child yeah like how important that is and i mean that just goes hand in hand with what we're talking about um so yeah no i i i think that's really important for guys to understand it it's funny how like like i don't know you just the seriousness of like trying to make to the next level can kind of sometimes blind you in ways that end up being negative to you and could maybe yeah. like in some cases could cut your career short because you're not going to get out of your own box to be able to work with other people or to like understand direction or whatever it is. So yeah, it's interesting. Stuff like that goes a long ways, right? Yeah. Those, those uh, kind gestures and, and who you are and how you treat people, it, not just yeah. hockey, but especially in hockey. I always tell kids now that cause I coach, you know, mentor some of these junior kids. Some of these kids are just going to junior camps for the first time. And I always had a, give the same kind of conversation like when you get there shake your shake everyone's hand look them in the the eyes introduce yourself like you know be polite be respectful i was always the kid that was like put your put my head down like a mr cool like oh you're a scout yeah. you're a gm you're a coach like i'm not going to talk to you and then i get a few of them on my show 10 years later here like alan may and he's like you could never look look anybody in the eye like you were yeah. We didn't know what the hell was wrong with you. I'm like, well, I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me either. But just little things like that. That's what he remembers about me was not so much about my ability on the ice, but how was I acting in the, in the dressing room and around the team and to the coaches. And it kind of ties into what I, with I, what I said. And I don't like not like Shane Wright, but I'll tell you, it was something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I'm not sh so sure that little boy won't either. 
Like, uh, you know, it takes two seconds to sometimes just lift somebody up. And it doesn't have to be during the warm up of a, a hockey game. It could just be uh, being kind in the community or doing small gesture. It just, you know, like you yeah. said, you got to get out of your own way sometimes. Yeah. We always say, like, when you throw your towel in the laundry hamper, your career extends by another year or two. Like, you know, you, you shower off after the, after practice is done and you walk into the dry stall room and there's just towels everywhere. It's like, are we that fucking full of ourselves that we can't walk 10 feet and put our towel in the laundry just because we know there's a guy that's going to come clean up after us. So I know like those guys appreciate those things a long way, but like that, that message also like goes to management, goes to coaches, like, because it doesn't just come out and you're, you're not putting your towel away. It comes out and, the little eye roll you give to your coach when he says something to you or um, just whatever, you know, I think it comes out in, in little ways. So no, you're spot on. I, I always try to tell guys, like I, I saw Owen power. I'll give Owen a shout out. Um, he helped the, the guys, the trainers, he helped them like clean up the weight room after workout the other day. Like just like something like that goes so far. And like, fact. Yeah, like you just know that, like, okay, this kid is absolutely sick on the ice, and just as important, he's going to be a good teammate, and he's going to be a, I don't know, going to be good to the people that are helping that that organization function. So, yeah, I, I think I I I was guilty of it too, you know, in my short pro career, but taking uh, taking the trainers and and people for granted a little bit, yeah. But when you get hurt and you need treatment, or something, who's the one taking care of you? Who's the one that's getting you back on the ice so that you can even continue your career? So it's yeah. something that I, I certainly didn't know anything about. I didn't know a single thing about being a professional, not a thing. I was the most least professional person in the history, I think, of hockey. And that's because I, you know, back then, especially, I didn't have anybody to really look up to that had any experience or that was showing me the way or that was kind of talking about these things. It was sort of like, get in there and figure it out. Uh -huh. I'm not so sure I ever did, man. I always felt so out of place in every dressing room, every team that I was on in my own head a lot of the time. And then it came out in other ways, which were detriment to my career. And, you know, it just goes to like what you were talking about, you know, things like what Owen power is doing instead of sticking around and helping clean up or even staying on and being one of the last ones off, picking up the pucks. It's like, yeah. Oh, practice is over. I'm out of here get the pucks rookies, you know, or yeah. whatever. Like, that's not a good yeah. attitude. It's not a good attitude. Yeah, I loved when I saw Patrice Bergeron do that the other, like, I was like a couple, like a year ago or two years ago and you had a guy that's had a Hall of Fame career and now he's still picking up pucks, just helping, helping the skating, whatever, whoever's out there, whatever instructor, coach. But like, that's just, it's not even about being a leader. It's like, I mean, it's just being a good person. Who Like, it doesn't matter if it's your duty or not. Like, you just, yeah. I know you do like, you do work with like younger kids and stuff and it'd be cool to give them this exercise. Cause I thought it was really cool. when I read it, um, there's like the sports psychologist who worked, he's worked with a like, number of like high end athletes, Olympians, whatever he calls it, the hidden scorecard. And he gets each of them to write down like what they want to be. If, if they could write down what's going to be on their gravestone, what would it be? So like you have like three things. So good father, kind, caring, whatever else, thoughtful, like all these things. And like he goes through with each of the participants and they all write whatever and he writes them all up on the board. Then he goes, okay, look at those. Like not one of them said like, I want to be a 50 goal scorer. I want to be um, 
have this save percentage. I want to have this, you know, like all these like number stats. None of that was on the board. It was all about what you want to be remembered as a, as a human. So he's like, so why do you care so much about your, your numbers and your stats when these are the things you want to be remembered for? Like those stats numbers will come based off your God given ability and how hard you work and things like that. But like, you should focus on the the latter because that might get you a little further and put you at peace. So I thought it was really cool. <laughs> love it. I love it. Oh yeah, man. I stole that right from the Tim and friends. I had Tim, nice. I had Tim McAuliffe on the show and I was like, full disclosure, Tim, I stole your horn and I just hammered it. And he's like, yeah, hit it again. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. He's like, we stole it from somewhere else. So don't worry about it. That's what he said. So yeah. it's funny. Um, Tell, tell us a little bit about your, uh, we talked, hit it on it a little bit earlier, but um, Torch Pro, Speak Your Mind, and uh, kind of the things that you talk about. And and maybe before that, what what ignited you to kind of take it upon yourself to start, you know, being vulnerable? And, and I say this because, listen, when I started to share my, people are always like, hey, Brady, you know, how do you do it? How do you share your story? And you know, you all this courage. No, no, no. My back was against the wall. I had nowhere to go. share <laughs> my story. Okay. It was yeah. either that or just suffer in hell for the rest of my life. And so I took a chance. So yes, is there, did it take some, you know, whatever? Sure. But the other side to your story is that you're still currently playing in the NHL. And for so long, this stuff, the stuff we're talking about here today has been you know, a lot of it hush hush and we're just scratching the surface, let's be honest. But even scratching the surface is not widely talked about, certainly not so much with guys who are still actively playing, especially guys who are, you know, you mentioned earlier, one year deals and tell us why, tell me why, tell me why um, you decided to start sharing your story, using your platform and then also bringing people together like Tyler and the people at Torch Pro. Yeah. Well, from the podcast standpoint, there's a, few reasons i think um i think just the the idea of being able to help people like that obviously is was number one and um doing something with my my platform i don't know i hate even saying like that i have a platform but i i do like i have have earned that and um i kind of wanted to just have a conversation that was maybe different than what i what I'm so used to having. And sometimes there can be a little bit of um, the conversations are repetitive a bit and they sometimes can get toxic. And I think for us to be able to do this and have conversations like we're having now, like I just, I, I really, really enjoy it. And I don't ever want to be the one that thinks that he knows everything about mental health because I just think having these conversations are what, allows people to learn. I thought that was so, it was so therapeutic for me to be able to listen to um, Kevin Love or DeMar DeRozan or um, trying to think of anyone who really like struck me. Um, But like all those athletes that come out and talk about their stuff, like it gave me peace knowing that like the next time I'm feeling anxious, like it's, I'm not alone. Like there's other people that are feeling this way. There's, probably other guys across the way in the other locker room that are feeling the same way. Like, and I think the more that we can normalize that, the more at ease people can be. Um, and that was kind of one of the reasons why, why we did it. And 
I think just to be able to be teamed up with Ty, like someone who's dealt with something so incredibly traumatic and is doing such a good job, I think it made sense because I don't ever want someone to think that like just because they didn't deal with the bus crash where they lost 16 of the people closest to them, it doesn't mean their mental health struggles are insignificant, you know? So that's kind of why we're trying to hit it in that way. And it's just led to so many great conversations and relationships and that's all we're trying to do. So, um, it's been a blast and, and dude, like you've probably seen this, like you said, 110 episodes, like it's shit's hard. Like it works your brain in a way that you don't really, you're not able to kind of like mock up in any other way. So just being able to converse and talk to people, like learning those skills, I think is important too. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's a great way to, um, do all those things as well as, uh, I, I really just want to highlight it again, what you said there by normalizing. And that's how it starts by having these conversations. People always ask me, they're like, well, what, what are we going to do? Like, what, what can, you know, what's the solution? Um, how does somebody get clean off drugs? How, How do we do better for the next generation? And, you know, for so long, I was like, the government needs to be doing more. Like, we're, let's, no, 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 they're not coming. Like, they're not coming. They're not going to save the day. But people can help people every single day. And just having these conversations, um, sometimes just showing kindness, right, can can be the, the difference maker. And yes. you don't have to know everything. Nobody knows everything about mental health or about anything. But striving to just be... Uh, open to hearing about other people's struggles. For me, uh, you know, even you on here tonight talking about you, like you mentioned the word therapeutic, right? For that, this podcast for me has been so therapeutic um, and it saved my life. This is, you know, it's connection, it's community, not just with the person who's either across from me or across the computer screen, but it's the messages and the people who watch the show. And then they start talking to each other and, and you start to realize that, you know, this conversation here carried on, might carry on tomorrow at a water cooler in somebody's office. Hey, you know, last night, whatever, like those are the messages that I like to get. And that's how I believe that we're going to start to really combat this stuff. But going back to what you said earlier, it's a process always be a process some days are uh, easier than others yeah 100 percent. no i couldn't agree with you more like seems like the most simple things can kind of go the furthest and you talk about a lot from like bodily health like just getting out and working out and getting out and conversing and communicating and no one's writing articles about how therapeutic those are because it's just so simple but a lot of it just makes so much sense so yeah you're totally right I'm going to get to a couple of uh, a couple of comments here. If anybody wants to throw some more in questions, I know there might be a a couple. I will get to some majority of them at the end. Uh, oh, Matthew Meanser, he's from Buffalo, but he lives in Yeshua, Argentina now. Wow. Uh, yeah, this guy's awesome. I always bring him up. He actually uh, he makes hockey sticks out of some wood down there where they typically don't have hockey gear, and he's helping to grow the game in like the southernmost part of the world without going to uh, where the penguins live, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Isn't it amazing though? Like you don't ever know who you're who you're affecting or who's listening, you know? Yeah, he said, uh, or Marty Westland watching says, Riley, all the stuff that you have said is what I'm dealing with, my mental health and anxiety, and what's going on with me right now. It's rough, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, 
like we just said, the good days and bad days. Um, but Frig, man, like we're we're right there with you. We're dealing with these things, and I mean, learning those tools, right? Like it's just trying to kind of be proactive, not brush it aside, just dealing with it head on and learn. The more you learn, I find the the more tension can be relieved because you're starting to understand a little more. So I mean, we're right there with you. Yeah, I'll echo that too. And the, the biggest thing for me was being able to be uh, becoming okay with being vulnerable, right? <laughs> and just and telling it like it is, like what how I'm feeling. I still don't do a great job at that, I'll be honest. I still have a long ways to go with like how I'm feeling now. Someone asked me how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Yeah. When times that I'm not. But being vulnerable and, and fine, it goes back to that authentic self by me becoming vulnerable i was able to go back to kind of being that inner child and finding out my authentic self and what my core beliefs are and my values and my morals and when i was able to do that and start trying to listen to what that what that is and and start to live my life in that way then i was able to start to find more peace so i don't know if that makes sense marty but that is sort of what i've been able to do so if you're able to you know find people or a support group yeah. or a person to really lean on then i think it can be a game changer and of course there's lots more that goes with that um skip ahead on a couple more um adam running watching says still struggle daily thanks brady and riley hang in there adam yeah um Matthew says, uh, we need to get more kids to watch hockey down and back. If only I had this show when I was in my teens. Thank you. Uh, Dean Smeal, my buddy out in St. Paul, Alberta. His brother is the president for the Canucks. Stan Smeal says, Riley, Brady, how do we start this? I have the same story as you guys, even before both of you, same shit. And I'm running a junior B team now. And of course, I have a few 16-year-olds. I chat with them on all this stuff. And what ruined me? But there has to be more. So again, here's the question. How do we do more? In relation to hockey, you can take that one if you want. Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like curriculum is a funky word because I just associate that with like school or sitting in a, sitting in a, uh, some sort of seminar learning about something that I don't want to be paying attention to. But I think like, I would love more guys to talk about it. Like it, I think when you can hear it from guys, especially guys who are like stereotypically you talk about like the man's man, you know, like who's, you know, he's willing to fight and he's willing to, you know, like he plays a hard game. He looks rugged. Like when you get those guys talking about like what they've gone through and what they've, they've been through. And I mean, like Brady, like you're doing it. Like, it's just, I think it's so much more powerful because like, there's such like a macho thing about being a male, especially at that age where you have to be like the guy that's like tough and like, but I think like this is hard shit to do. This is harder than being that stereotypical version of tough. Right. Yeah. Like it's harder to be open. It's harder to be vulnerable. It's harder to like care about your buddy who maybe is going through something. I don't know. We need guys to speak out. And well, I, I know that, you know, I agree with you 100% with uh, the man's man kind of thing. And it does take a different, you know, sense of t toughness. You know, I've been in some pretty crazy situations. Yes, lots of hockey fights, but also lots of fights in the street and fights in jail cells where the doors are closed and it can get kind of crazy. Yeah. And that 
for a long time was a more comfortable situation than me crying in front of people where you could be seriously hurt or seriously hurt somebody. Um, that was uh, an easier outlet for me anyways. But I'll tell you what, I cry pretty much every single day, uh, multiple times in a day, but not really because I'm like, I'm not sad. It's like, oh, I'm sad. It's because I see something that really brings joy to my heart. And sometimes it's the weirdest things, like just random commercials that are so irrelevant. And I'm like, gearing up and I'm like, uh, but it's okay. Like, I don't even try to really hide it because for what, I, I don't know if it's because I've already like proved to myself that, you know, I can do the fight and be tough, whatever, but you talk about real toughness and that's strip. I agree with you. It's stripping it all away and, and finding out who you really are and then being okay with it because that's not easy to do. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think also one of the things that I struggle with is like being able to like be comfortable enough with myself to like ask other people if they are okay and ask like hard hitting, not hard hitting questions, but like ask questions that are like a little more important and like a little more like thought provoking where you can kind of then help them, like actually help them, like not just like or just like even like be there for someone too, you know, like just sit there with them. Like when you're struggling like to be at, just like actually like get out of, we've talked about this already, but get out of your own box. Like that's the one part sometimes I struggle with. I, I kind of get like narrow minded and think the world is kind of like, woe is me a bit. Yeah. I, I hear that. I, I think there's, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think there's, we can all kind of relate to that. And to your point about like going back to what Dean said, but what, what do we do? And, you know, I try to put myself in, in the situation and, and really try to put myself back to being, you know, a 16 year old or 17 year old playing junior hockey and what would be effective. I know what wasn't effective, the things that they did. And again, no disrespect to any of the programs or any of the things that they did, but they just weren't effective because they were unrelatable for me. And I could, this is just my opinion and how I take things in, but I, through everything I've done, and I say this all the time through therapists and counselors and rehabs and whatever, people were unrelatable to me unless they actually had some sort of lived experience with what I was talking about. Have you been in my shoes similar to my shoes? No. Okay. Well then I I don't want to, I, my brain just tunes out. I'm like, you read it in a book. Like you don't actually know. So I think, you know, having uh, people with lived experience come in and, and break down those barriers to get people's attention. And then maybe somebody else has to like, be there too to say okay well here's what you can do or here's the tools or here's whatever like it's got to be a collective effort but i think for people to pay attention they have to feel like they can relate to it yeah 100 percent. and you almost like you get a guy too with like a little bit of a woe factor too like where it can kind of not be beyond scared straight the person but like just like shit's real you know so no i agree it is. And uh, I did see we there's a bunch of comments coming in, but I wanted to get to uh, Michelle Miner watching, uh, probably with Tom as well, said, I only wish these conversations were happening years ago where kids were not afraid to open about open up about their feelings. And I know um, uh, Lindsay, uh, their daughter, Daniel Miner's si- sister, says school can be fun. You just need the right teacher. Of course, she's, yes. a, teacher. she's a teacher down oh, there. In Campbell, but hello to the Miner family. Uh, I'm actually coming down there this weekend, guys. So I will see you. Uh, 
this weekend. I'm coming down for Taylor Sykes's wedding and I'm going to go visit the minor family who have become, we talked about them briefly yeah. after I was on your show. Yeah, no, I played against Daniel and I always remember him being a really good player, a great player. Um, I had some buddies that played with him too and always heard he was a good dude. So yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I mean, my heart goes out to you guys and I think, I mean, what you guys are doing too, like kind of joining forces with Brady, I think it's, it's such a good thing for, for kids coming up playing the game. So yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. And I love what you said about the teacher comment. Like, I think it was Lindsay, right? Um, both my parents were teachers. So I, and my wife has studied to be in the teaching environment, which is hard when I'm playing. So, um, no, it's such, it's so important. Good teachers can go a really long way. Yeah. It's, uh, she's incredible. Love, love Lindsay and Zach and Harper and Ainsley. And I'm not sure if Haley, uh, and Jack are watching too, but really cool. Uh, I just want to share with everybody. I haven't posted the picture, but I got a message from Haley. I actually got a message from Tom too, right around the same time. Um, Jack, which is Daniel's son, uh, just started hockey and he's wearing, uh, the number 21, just like, uh, just like nice. his, his dad did, which was uh, pretty cool to see the pictures and um, got to talk to Jack on the phone after too. He's such a little, little cutie. He's, just, he's awesome. awesome. He's awesome. So I'm looking forward to getting down there and seeing you guys. And uh, yeah, and and I yeah I couldn't agree. Like I'm so grateful for their support and their strength and courage to allow um, me and and others like Chad Campbell who did the Hockey to Hell and Back song. He's written a song. I think he knew if you if you ha if you're watching or listening, check it out on Spotify. I think he knew by Chad Charles Campbell. It's uh, it's a story about Daniel and. Um, you know, just having the courage to allow uh, people like myself and Chad and, and of course, you guys share Daniel's story. That's like it's so tragic and unfortunate. But by sharing stories like Daniel's, that's that's what we talk about is, is having those conversations and sharing examples of what can happen. And so, yeah, just thank you to you guys uh, once again. Oh, Chad's watching. Says, thanks, brother. Uh, there he is. Um, we got uh, Marty again says I was taught not to talk about my feelings, be vulnerable, feel or show emotions or open up and talk to someone now that I'm dealing with mental health and anxiety. I need to find that one person to talk to with and me open up and vulnerable with need that need that person. Um, Marty, shoot me a message. I might be able to, I don't know if I'll be able to help you directly because I'm not necessarily that guy, um, but I think somebody is watching that may be willing to help. And uh, there she is there. It says mental advisors with help from the players Players tell the story and the advisors help them deal with the problem and find the supports. That's my good friend, Elaine Sterk, and she's a uh, mental health nurse and always willing to, to help people. So I don't want to awesome. throw that on you, Elaine, but I know the type of person you are. So, Marty, maybe we can we can make that happen. Um, how often are you guys doing shows? Uh, we go bi-weekly. So every two weeks, it's it's tough. We got to do them. We're going to start trying to do them every week. It's just tough with, with my schedule, kind of. Really. You think? <laughs> you think? But Tell even like, I think Ty and I just got to start doing some, just the two of us, where instead of getting a guest, just the two of us, and we'll yeah. shoot the shit about whatever's going on. And it can be half hour or whatever. Um, so. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's that's it. It doesn't always have to be a, a guest. And, and you guys have so much value to bring. And I'm going to be following along for sure. Uh, Torch Pro. Yeah. Yeah, we'll plug Torch Torch. Pro. I never, I never got got to it really. Um, so yeah, Torch it was created by Joe Pavelski, and then another ex hockey player, Matt Fortinaro, played 
in Europe and played a while in EA. Um, so it's just kind of giving an, the athletes an outlet to share what they're really into and kind of how they represent themselves and their hobbies, what's important to them, uh, just through content. So either through video content, through podcasts, newsletters, just that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the goal in mind is sort of to um, inspire young athletes, kind of give them a tap into what it's like at the professional ranks. Um, we always talk like if we could have looked back and watched our favorite, like if I could have watched Peter Forsberg train or see his like on ice program for the summertime, like just stuff like that. Um, it's kind of just a behind the scenes look. So yeah, it's pretty cool. They, they're kind of, they're in a few different sports. They're in lacrosse now doing the lacrosse podcast and some content there. They've done some work with some different basketball players, me and Pavs. Um, so it, it's kind of a cool little hub where you get all this footage and, and audio content, things like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's awesome. And I think that's what the, that's what people want more of. And it's just so important to show that human side. I, I, again, I talk about growing up thinking these hockey players are, are literally superheroes and that's all they do. They just live at the rink and play hockey, but yeah. And maybe in some capacity that's true, and I think that can sometimes be a detriment. We talked about it on the on uh, your podcast. I think how much time is wasted when you're a hockey player. Oh, yeah. you can't. Oh, I can't. I can't do that because I practiced today for an hour, and now I have nothing to do. No, I can't yeah. do that. I can't take that <laughs> class. I'm a hockey. I can't get a job in the summertime when I'm 15 because I got to train for two hours a day. Like you know, yeah, it's just, so true. Playing yeah. video games during when I was playing the Western League, I spent so much time playing video games and chasing girls around the town when I could have been exploring what what maybe I really liked outside of hockey or setting myself up for life outside of hockey. But I remember back then even thinking about that, thinking anything other than hockey. It was like, oh, you're not committed. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. What? It's funny how there's like this like, I don't know. It's like this blanket over you. That's got to like forces you into like thinking that exploring your mind in different ways or exploring like different things that are just interesting. Maybe to you, if that's not something that's consistent across the whole group, it just gets thrown aside. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think that's another thing that's got to change. And I think that's what's kind of what torch pro sort of like tries to do is try to like, like, bring out like i love music i mean it's not like i'm not like shunned when i walk in and talk about music or anything music's a really very it's like a global thing that most people like but like why not share that with people so that another hockey player growing up can keep playing the guitar and maybe that turns into an opportunity for him rather than hockey does yeah. just like you never know like what what's going on so i mean it's just important for guys to share that if it's cooking if it's fishing if it's yeah if it's education, if it's like whatever you're touched by, like don't be sh don't be shy to sh uh, share that. So uh, I love it. Um, how's the pushback been from you know the hockey world or people you know when you know you came out with the podcast really surrounding about mental health? How's it been? <laughs> I honestly like I haven't even really gotten that much. Um, 
like the people close to me, like my my like fans and family and things like that, they they love it. But within the hockey world, I maybe it's because I I, I don't share anything, and I think that's my own problem. Like I I for some reason think that like if I ask my teammate to come on the show, that they're gonna like think that I'm invading their privacy, and I think that's my own problem because I have had guys being like, well, "When are you bringing me on?" and I just like never follow up. That's the best, um, right? They it's the best when 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 something like that happens. It turns starts as a chirp, yeah. or like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, like this and that, and then it's like a week, two weeks, three weeks later, like, hey, so when are you bringing me on? You're like <laughs> yeah. a week later, you're getting chirped up, and then they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah. I want to do that. Yeah, no, they chirp you. They chirp you in front of the the group, but then when it's just <laughs> yeah. you and them, they're like, yeah, I'll come on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. awesome. That's, um, yeah. You get you start you obviously get quite a bit from doing it. How many episodes have you guys done? I think we've only done like twenty five or so, and so that's over a year. And like, so that makes sense, I guess, if it's biweekly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we got to we got to do more. I think it's like you said, we have so much time. It's just an excuse thing of like you forget to answer a text message here and there, and then it's like, but we got some good guests that are that are kind of up and coming and uh yeah it's it's exciting i love doing it it's just it's just getting out of my own box again being like oh i can't do it today like i'm just like had a long day it's like what did you do well, i skated at 10. <laughs> yeah and now nothing yeah, that's yeah. um before yeah. i before i let you go um how how you feeling about this season i i know you're back in buffalo you played there before um how, how's the body holding up? Where's your head at? At what are you 30, 31 now? Yeah, 30, turning 31. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's nice to be here because I was here during the COVID year and the border was closed. So now everything's fine and my family can come. And um, that was really important for me. I signed a two way, which is the first first time I've done that in a long time. So I'm kind of going to give me a little fire to make sure I'm playing, make sure I'm taking care of my body. Like you said, that's one thing I think for me, like it's just game changing. If my body doesn't feel good and I'm holding a lot of tension, then I can't feel free on the ice. So it's nice that I'm back home because I have a few treatment guys that I can rely on and we can figure some things out there and they can help me. So I'm excited. They got a lot of, lot of young talent here, coaching staff, management. It's awesome. Really homey feel. And um, Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, I'm excited to follow along, and I know there's uh, people on here on the other one, but wishing wishing you the best of luck this year uh, from Dean Smeal, and would love to catch up with you again sometime on the show. I really enjoyed the, the conversation, and really, honestly, man, I really appreciate uh, the work you're doing with Smitty and Torch Pro, and um, it, it takes it takes people to break down doors and guess, guess how many people are going to come through after you break that door down, man. So keep doing it and, uh, excited to follow along. And if you ever need anything from me, man, you know, you know how to get a hold of me. Much appreciated Brady. And, and right back at you. I mean, you said a lot of kind words about me, but I mean, they all go for you too. So hopefully we can maybe connect real life or whatever it may be, brother. Appreciate it. Go Sabres go. Yeah. All right, buddy. Enjoy the little one and your wife, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay, take it easy. That is Buffalo Sabres centerman Riley Sheehan. That was an awesome conversation. Thanks, Riley. Uh, Thank you for for watching. If you're watching live, if you're watching on Facebook, 
and you want to do me a favor, can you head over to YouTube, subscribe to the Hockey to Hell and Back YouTube channel? That would be amazing. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And while you're there, press the like button, subscribe, turn on the notifications. All the kids are saying that these days, so it's trying to be like the cool kids. If you're on Apple, Spotify, leave a leave a review, rate the show, share it with your friends. If you're watching on Facebook, go to YouTube. But if you're not, share it on Facebook. Rely heavily on each and every one of you, and I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you, your continued support. It's been uh, it's been an amazing couple years. Two and a half years been doing this show, and in that two and a half years, my life has become honestly a dream still not all like a good dream i just mean most of the time i'm like is this really happening did i am i, am I really here uh, and i owe that a lot to to you guys a lot of you have been around since day one and i know i say this all the time but i just cannot thank you all enough because it's really given me my life back and when i got vulnerable and started to share my story. It was you guys that lifted me up and were there to literally hold my hands, not just my hand, but my hands, as I started to figure things out. And if you listen to the first couple episodes, woo, it's rough, it's rough. I'll be right back to wrap up the show. We'll hear it from our friends over at Pride Tape. We're gonna get a new video. And uh, before the video, a very, uh, special congratulations to my brother, my good friend, Curtis Gabriel, who you're going to see in this video. He announced today his retirement from professional hockey after spending time in the NHL and the American Hockey League and uh, graduated the OHL with the Owen Sound Attack and has become a really good friend of mine. He's decided to, to hang him up. His body is saying no. His hand is uh, is pretty bad from from punching people for the last 10 years on the ice, honestly. And uh, I think he's at peace with it. So congratulations to Curtis. Can't wait to have him back on the show. He's been on three or four times. And I even got to meet him the other day. More on that after this commercial. But congratulations to Curtis Gabriel. All the best in the next chapter, buddy. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, -E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Also, Dean Petrick from PrideTape, my good friend. His son, Andrew, who I met back in May in person, but I've been talking to for the last over a year, I guess, kind of in a mentoring role. He went as a walk-on to the Everett Silvertips in the Western Hockey League and made the team 
and two nights ago scored his first goal. Way to go, Andrew. Cool story on that. Maybe on another episode. Um, but yeah, I spent the day the other day with uh, Kendra Fisher, Lando, uh, Curtis Gabriel, uh, and some other people, Satoshi uh, on the ice, and then went down to the bottom line with Yoan and Jenna and Sheriff Podcast. Go check it out. But you heard it here first that something may be in the works for myself and Kendra Fisher to collab on a new podcast once a month, live from, I think, the bottom line in Toronto. So I'd be going down to Toronto once a month. Love Kendra. You guys all know Kendra, I think. She's been on the show. Would love to hear what you guys' thoughts are on that potential collaboration because I'm really excited about it. Stay tuned for more on that. Her and I are chatting tomorrow to, to further that. Happy belated birthday to my son, Brody. He turned 13 on September the 16th. And about two months ago, him and I started to chat via Instagram. I know a lot of you guys have been following along on this show and I hadn't talked to him in seven years. I'm not going to get into details because I don't want to share too much. Um, but happy birthday, Brody. Uh, thank you to Bo Horvat, who provided the birthday present this year. Uh, Brody's favorite hockey player. But, uh, you know, I just share it in brief detail because it's one of the greatest gifts of my recovery. Um, it's a long road ahead. No doubt it's a long road ahead. And uh, I don't know where that road is going to take take me, take our relationship. Um, but I'm certainly grateful for the... the reconnection as it stands right now. Hello to my daughter, Brooklyn, as well. Uh, I love you guys both out there in BC. Trying to plan a trip home for, for BC here. I got feel like I got some unfinished business in British Columbia still. I think I'll always feel like that. I try to get back there a couple times a year. Uh, but lots of stuff I want to do out in BC. Uh, of course, go see my family. Anyways, I think that's it. Go check out Puck Support. I don't really talk a lot about puck support on here because I always felt weird talking about it, but I'm going to start to talk more and more about puck support um, because we're going to be doing more and more with puck support, pucksupport.com, new website coming in the next month or two in memory of all those we have lost. And it's a great way to start up a conversation. Uh, you know, for example, I just, I wear this shirt and people will stop me and they're like, I love your shirt. Like, and then, you know, 15 minutes later, we're still talking and people are talking about their struggles or their loved one's struggles. And it's not just happening when I wear puck support stuff. We're getting messages all the time. And I just think it's really important. I could care less so much that it's puck support or that it's coming from, you know, us over here. But it's the conversations that it's starting that are so important. And I really believe that, you know, it, it's it is helping. And uh, part of the proceeds will go back into the nonprofit, which we are now a nonprofit. Uh, we have a lot to sort out, but it's exciting times. I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Thank you to everyone for your support. Like, share, subscribe, all those things. Tell your friends about Hockey to Back. Tell your friends about Puck Support. If you're struggling, you're not alone. I promise you, you're not alone. I think maybe there's a podcast coming where I just talk about 
the struggles of what a day looks like when it's really hard because we talk about here on this show about struggles and saying hey yeah yeah i struggle every day what does that struggle look like how do i deal with it when i'm not at my best i think that's a really important piece that's missing certainly here on hockey to hell and back so maybe diving into what does that struggle look like and how does it you know feel at the time how do i feel after about it when i feel like it's never going to end There's Brody Kerbison watching. Congrats to Brody, too, signing with the Creamore Coyotes. Never thought he was going to play hockey again at any sort of uh, competitive level, and there he is. Uh, congratulations to Brody. Picked up an assist last night, too. He says, that's happened to me so many times, wearing the new design mental health over hockey shirt. That's right, Broads. And thank you, Brody, for helping me out this summer on the ice with Believe Hockey. I could not have done it without you. And we had a ton of fun doing it, didn't we? We're only just getting started. Anyways, that's it. That's all. Until next time, next Monday. Not sure who's on. I think Adam Scorgi is on. He's been on before. Documentary filmmaker. He's got the Jordan Tutu documentary coming out. So we can talk about that. We got Clay Anderson watching, says, I get questions about my puck support gear all the time. Love answering the question, what's that about? Love it. Love it. Puck support, pucksupport.com. Follow us on social media, at Puck Support. If you want to support me, support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon. It'll be in the picture here at the end. Uh, There are a few people that contribute and I don't really do much on Patreon. So I apologize. You're mostly just contributing to this show and to me. So thank you so much to everyone supporting me on Patreon. Sorry, there were some more comments coming in, but this is where I wrap it up for the fifth time. That's it until next Monday. We'll see you be kind, stay grateful, do something to lift somebody up. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, I challenge you either tonight or whenever it is, do something to lift somebody up that's not necessarily in your circle. So it might be tomorrow morning. Do something kind for somebody. Going through a drive-through, pay for the person behind you, pay for their coffee, pay for their tea. Do something. We can all do more. Don't forget to check Chad Campbell out on Spotify. This is Hockey to Hell and Back, and there's a new edition coming soon. But enjoy this one. Until then, we'll see you Monday night. Have a great day, if you so choose. Was my life rookie of the year? Swift as a Bronco, laced up in my gear. Past the pain when insane, yearning for that buzz. Twelve year journey through the depths of hell. Criminal fentanyl, I struggled, I fell. Abused, confused as a shadow of who I once was. Can't sleep, rest this week. Oh, no, not a rhythm.
cry. Used to toe drag them like Wayne Gretzky. And now I'm toe tagging homeless on Hastings. Yeah, the meanest drugs weren't in the gang notes. The wrong kind of how to ride the light in. Sideboard ignoring hot and fry hands. Hockey to hell and back was my recovery road. Can't sleep restless week. Up all night, a dread on a beat. I need to get my life here back on track. Emotions change, I can't stop crying. Send my reflection, no sense lying. My inspirations are getting killing back. Mental health of a hockey. Gotta get people talking. Ignite the chain that will give me this real world. The soul is lost. Game changers for my former convictions. Now I live for the fuck addiction. I've got honest to honor the ones we lost. Finally doing what I'm meant to do. Jump on your blade, you can follow me too. Give me your ear to Hockey and Healing Back Podcast. Can't sleep, restless week. Up all night, I dread on feet. I need to get my life here back on track. Emotions strained, I can't stop crying. Send my reflection, no sense lying. My inspirations are getting back.